0: Hello, and welcome to the Embrace Your Destiny podcast. My name is Sandra Dawes, and I'm your host. And if you're new to the podcast, the Embrace Your Destiny podcast is all about sharing the journeys of women who have been through a challenging time in their life, and they share how they got through it, the lessons they've learned, and offer advice to anyone who may be going through something similar in their own life. And today, my guest is Lynn Hurdle. And Lynn is a communication expert and conflict resolution strategist, facilitator, speaker, a leadership coach with over 35 years experience in blending the connection between communication, conflict, and culture into her unique style of engagement for leaders. She is the author of the bestseller, Closing Conflict for Leaders, How to Be a Bold Leader and Develop a Kick-Ass, High-Functioning, Happy AF Team. (laughs) (laughs) Prevention, intervention, and transformational conflict resolution are all at the heart of her work. Lynn's expertise is in engaging her clients with creative processes designed to create dialogue and teach skills that can be used in the most difficult leadership situations. The belief that helping people transform their lives begins with transforming your own led to her well-received TEDx Women Talk entitled The Weight of Hate. Lynn created the Soul of Conflict Summit, a groundbreaking online forum designed to create a deep dialogue around conflict, old wounds, and healing. She, is, she passionately writes about breaking culture, conflict and cultural breakthroughs for Psychology Today. And she had she has had the privilege to deliver her unique trainings, workshops and deep coaching to leaders from Harlem to Hong Kong and from the South Bronx, South Bronx to South America. Oops, South Africa. Lynn brings a wealth of knowledge, experience and her special energy to every client. Lynn, thanks so much for being a guest today.
1: Oh, thank you for doing this important podcast. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So Lynn why don't we dive in and get started on sharing your journey?
1: Okay. So I have a, well, I have a, a couple of moments of of my journey, uh, but my journey into conflict resolution work really started when I was 17 and uh, up until I guess from three to 17, I knew my path, which was to be an actress and an entertainer, and in my eyes, absolutely a star. And everything I did, <laughs> I did toward that point. Including that at 17, I was a senior in the High School of Music and Art, which is a performing arts high school in New York City. And so I was set, I was uh, on my way to Syracuse University the following year to uh, be a theater major. And so I'm on this bus, and I live in the Bronx at that time. I still actually live in the Bronx now. And at that time on the bus is myself, another teenager and the bus driver. We are the only African-Americans on the bus. The bus is full and everyone else is white. And we stop at about a mile from my home and the bus driver is not opening the door. So I'm looking, I look through the windows and I see about 50 white males with red bandanas running toward the bus. And I'm noticing a lot of them have baseball bats. And they start, they surround the bus and they're screaming the N-word and screaming for us to come off the bus. And the bus driver refused to open the doors, and they start to begin to try to tip the bus over. And the only thing that stopped them is that across the street comes another bus filled with African-American kids. And so they run over there and I jump off the bus with the other teenager who I didn't know at the time, but he went to my school and he's terrified because he just moved into the neighborhood. He was literally only there a week and had no idea how to get home. I took him home. And as soon as I left him, I can remember the thought coming in my mind and fully in my spirit too. uh, I have to do something about this. I have to be able to bring people together around these issues. And I do not know where that came from because right. as I said, I was going to be a star.
0: Right, <laughs> so. you had your path lined up and yeah. From three years old. So
1: truly I, I had no idea what I was going to do with that, but I was really s- certain of it. And as it would happen, that next year, I went to Syracuse, and the following year, they started this new program called Nonviolent Conflict and Change. And I switched from theater into that program. <laughs> and that started me on the path of learning about conflict resolution and mediation. And I have not looked back. It's been over 35 years, and I've made my life and career in this. Wow.
0: I, um, I did conflict Resolution, dispute resolution, um, in high school as well. There was a program in our high school because there were lots of fights happening. Um, not so much race related, but just, you know, regular teenage angst mm-hmm. sort of things going on. And, um, yes. it was a pilot project with the uh, school board at the time. And I remember thinking it was kind of cool to be chosen to be on this, but I didn't understand the value of it until, after I graduated from um, Mm. my undergraduate degree and I saw a certificate in dispute resolution and I am (laughs) like a a lifelong student. So I was like, Oh, let's do this. And let's see where that takes us. But I feel like everybody should have dispute resolution under their belt, belt, whether they want to be a mediator or not, because it helps so much in your interactions with your family, with people on the street, in your job. Like it's, one of the most valuable tools to have under your belt, I think.
1: I think so too, because conflict is everywhere and it's in every part of our lives. And people really don't understand that, which, you know, brings me actually to the second piece of my story, which was the uh, major uh, crisis, heartbreak in my life that really uh, made me shift in a huge way. And And that is that my mom died actually a year before I became a mom myself. And she died from uh, breast cancer. And it was, uh, up, up until that point, I mean, I had lost my grandmother, who I loved dearly. And so that was a pain. But the pain of losing my mom, like I had no idea how significant that pain would be. And particularly right before I became a mother myself. So, uh, So that really took me through... Uh, quite a lot through depression, and certainly through uh, just wondering why it uh, it would be such a so such a cruel thing, why such a cruel thing would happen that before I became a mama, right before that she would pass, and so uh, it took me a really long time to push through that. Thank God for our son because he really. Uh, he were those moments of sunshine for me. But what it also did was it helped me to answer a very nagging question in my business. And the question was, why aren't people using these conflict resolution skills in their everyday life? Because I do trainings and people would love the trainings and we would do all this work in trainings <laughs> and then they'd come back you know, the school or the company would send them back. <laughs> They're not using them, you know, and you talked about being a peer mediator and my peer mediator, nice. you know, you're not using them. And even the, the people that we're working with, like people aren't using these skills, like, what is it? What is it? And so what I did was I looked at what, uh, what was the downside of my mom dying? And then what, my goodness could I possibly look at what might be the uh, the opportunity presented here, which I think really shocked a lot of people because there could not be a good side, right? I mean, that would be against everything, against culture, against really? religion, everything. Like there's a good side and, and the good side and the opportunity was that I had the chance to find out how I wanted to mother and to do it my way. Without uh, having to go by what she would have wanted me to do or told me to do or insisted that I do or whatever that, that was going to be. And so as a result, I started to work on me and conflict and me and uh, how uh, I looked at things like discipline and punishment and you know, even having a uh, you know, conversation or culture. Or what does that mean? And it started to lead me to a place of looking at how we even begin to have conflict and how we begin to do conflict and what is it that leads us to even thinking the way we do about conflict. So that just completely transformed my life. And so then I started to transform my work. And that's when, when I was able to take people through the journey of conflict in their lives and how it's constructed for them at a very young age and what are your triggers and what is your mindset, then I'm able to get to the place where we can start to look at why We don't pull out the skills. What gets in the way of us pulling out the skills? And it all has to do with how conflict was even constructed for us and how we don't uh, override our triggers. We just let them lead us into reacting in ways that aren't the best. Right, because there's
0: um, a certain lack of self awareness right?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. There's a huge lack of self-awareness. It's all automatic pilot, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Those knee-jerk reactions. Yes. Yeah. And it's
1: all, and uh, the other side is, you know, the rules. I was reading uh, something today because uh, I go by the the handle of the conflict closer. And so a lot of people know me online and well, when something comes up, they'll go, Lynn, what's your thought on this? And <laughs> You know, someone uh, tagged me today to about a conflict where uh, the uh, the uh, sports announcer was saying that, hey, you know, my grandfather told me somebody do does this, you beat them down, and that's what you're supposed to do, and all these things. So the you know culture will also jump in there and say, well, if you're a true, whatever, African-American, a true man, a true whatever, right? Yeah. That's (laughs) what you're supposed to do. (laughs) And we never question that. We just, because we usually learn this as kids. They usually instill it in us young. And so we just go along and then we notice everybody else is doing the same thing too. So. Okay, so if somebody is, you know, if somebody hits hit me, I'm, yeah. i have to hit them back. Not just hit them back; I have to <laughs>
0: knock right. them out. So and they don't get hit up you again. back. <laughs> I, you know, I have. um, It reminds me of this funny story that I heard years ago, and it's um, an example that I use about perspective and and tradition and cultures and this sort of thing. And it was um, the story about this woman who always, whenever she did a roast, would cut the ends off the roast before she put it in the pan Mm -hmm. and so she saw her mother do it so that's how she made her roast but she never asked Mm -hmm. why her mother cut the two ends off she just thought that's what you do (laughs) and so one day when she was preparing the roast she did what she normally does and cut the two ends off and somebody was in the kitchen with her and asked her why she did it and she had no answer she's like I don't know I saw my mom do it, so that's what I do, Mm -hmm. but I never asked my mom why. So this person asking her why triggered her to ask her mom why, and the answer was so Mm -hmm. simple. It was because that was the only way the roast was going to fit in the pan. You know, you see somebody (laughs) doing something for so long that you assume that there's some scientific or, you know, there is method behind the madness. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just a really simple explanation. So there was it fit in the pan without you cutting the ends off. There was no need to cut the ends
1: off. (laughs) Right. That's right, exactly. And there's, there's so much of that, particularly I find in conflict. Everybody has their own little rules, but where did they get them from? And do they even are they even uh, authentic to you? Or are you just right. uh, going along uh, and, and think that it's okay? And of course, you're going to get cheered for it. That's right. That's what you do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and what I'm asking people to do is to really to, to push back on that. I, I've coined the phrase breaking culture. Uh, for me, it's really about, it's not that you're giving up your culture or even speaking against it, but you are questioning why, why this way, why, and how does that fit for me? Because even the why, even after you explain it to me, right. is that authentic to me? Is that how I want to do things, Uh, you know, do I want to spank my kids? Do I uh, believe that kids should be seen and not heard? Do I, you know, all of these things that come up that are really tied into culture that for me, I no longer had such a hard time with it because don't get me wrong, there were certainly other people (laughs) who uh, did not understand or approve of the way My sons were raised, but they weren't my mother. (laughs) They may have been family, but they weren't my mother. So they didn't carry as much weight. So, you know, so it was a little easier to push back against them, but it was still difficult. But that was why I had to know. Like, I had to know why this trigger doesn't work for me. I had to know why I no longer bought into that. Uh, particular cultural norm. And that really is a journey. And it's the journey that I take my clients through so that they can look at it for themselves and decide what's going to work and what's not going to work and what they'd like to uh, replace and with some different skill sets. Right.
0: Lynn, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your journey so far?
1: Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Oh, I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that I really can override a trigger that uh, that I really can stop myself simply through awareness that I am being triggered, that it's uh, it's leading me, to some place that I do not want to be led to. And there's gotta be another way. There's gotta be a different way and a way that doesn't involve my crushing someone else. Uh, and in particular, my, my sons, uh, or any kids or young people, I, I you know, I don't like to crush people in general, but you know, kids in, in particular, young people in particular, um, can be crushed so easily. And I, would rather uh, hold myself back and figure it out than just unleash whatever is trying to
0: come out right because it's not always in most cases not the most productive way to handle
1: it it's (laughs) not productive it's one of those things that you just uh explode and then once you're able to come down, even if you don't know how to do it differently, what you feel yes. is that you yeah, wish that regret
0: you is, is, you know? is not nice. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's not. It's not a good feeling. And nor is it one that I want to continue to have to live with over and over again. I, I have that responsibility as far as I'm concerned to, to use different Uh, methods to use some skills, use some tools, uh, even if it's very difficult in the moment.
0: Right. It reminds me of that quote, when you know better, you do better, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think that that's an overrated quote. Of, yeah. I hear Oprah use it a lot. And I'm like, no, that's actually not true that people know better, but they still don't do better. When you right. do better, you do better. I, I, you I know, like that's it.
0: For me, that's it's it. that when you know better, you have an <laughs> obligation to do better, but you don't yes, always step is. up to the plate to <laughs> uh, <do> <laughs> right. you know, be your highest yes, self or yes, whatever you, you want to call it. But yeah. yeah, that's the challenge, right? Is that that's when you know better, it just makes things a little bit more difficult because now you <laughs> you're not reacting. Yeah. You know, unconsciously now you know what you're doing but sometimes it's like
1: (laughs) now you know what you're
0: doing and you're choosing to still
1: do the other because the other is is much more instinctual and the other is is emotion is tied to emotions and emotions take us on a ride man i
0: mean a lot of these things are habits right you don't even think about it anymore you're just doing it so you have to reprogram Mm -hmm. yourself and some of us don't have the Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the willingness or the energy to do that.
1: Right. And some of us also play the power card because it's easier. Right. Yeah, you know, I see that in leaders. I see that in business all the time. It's much easier for me to just play the power card than to listen longer. You know, and to try to understand what uh, what my coworker or my team is saying. To me, just go do it. Don't question me.
0: It's
1: (laughs) so much easier as a a leader, as a parent, you know, I mean, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. That is the challenge, though, right? To um, Mm -hmm. to really Mm -hmm. be open to the opportunities because you know that if you can communicate better and manage conflict in a healthier way, that everybody's going to be happier and you're going to be more productive.
1: Yes. And you're going to have better relationships everywhere. And, uh, to, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, relationships are everything, as far as I'm concerned. They are everything, starting with the relationship you have with yourself. So, when you say you're going to be happier, yeah, the relationship I have with myself is I like the way I handle conflict these days, right? So, right. starting right there, I'm happier. And then you have relationships. You know, more and more businesses are noticing or, or taking into account that it's the business businesses that help their employees develop better relationships that are thriving more because people want to be productive for the company because they have uh, they have buy-in. Right. I like the people I work with. I come to work and I'm looking forward to this and we work together and we do it well. And so, of course, the company is going to thrive. But if you hate the people you work with, if you 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 really at odds with your family, so you don't enjoy anything. You don't enjoy the holidays because right. it's family time. You don't work because you got to come in and see these people that you hate. You don't enjoy your neighbors. <laughs>
0: yeah. And the community is probably I mean, not going very well either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, you gotta, I, it's the thing that people run from, but it's honestly the, one of the most important things that I think people have to do is we have to get better at conflict and I'm determined to help people have a better relationship. with. Yeah. I think conflict. that's important
0: because I know for me, when I started to do the work on dispute resolution conflict management it was understanding that conflict isn't a bad thing because I think that that was part of my you know what I mean (laughs) conflict is something that you avoid you don't dive into it you don't uh, you know oh my gosh (laughs) Run for the hills there's conflict happening so it was understanding that conflict is it's natural that it's a part of life and that mm-hmm. when you can deal with it, that life will be so much better for it, right. Instead of pretending that it doesn't exist no. and, you know, having the same arguments over and over again, or those kinds of things that you're actually dealing with it in a meaningful way, getting to the root cause of the conflict and then figuring out a way to move forward in a way that works for everybody.
1: Yeah. And, it's and, and that, knowing that in doing that right away makes a huge difference because people by avoiding have, they make it build up and it gets to be something that it really doesn't need to be a perfect example. This weekend I was with someone and I offer retainer services. So we it's often by phone or, you know, text or whatever, but this time my client and I happened to be in the same place out uh, And in person, and she presented me with a conflict that she was dealing with. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, it was really a simple thing that had you addressed it right at the start, right? Someone was sitting where they weren't supposed to be sitting. And this was her space to be sitting in. And, uh, and, uh, and she didn't say it. And so then it carried on to other people then started sitting there. And then, you know, it, it just got, it snowballed. And I said, "But you have the skills to have stopped it right at the start." And that's a simple conversation. And because we are so uh, conditioned to fear and avoid conflict, we don't have the simple conversation, (laughs) you know. Uh, And and then it just builds. And I find that that's what really people hate the most is the buildup. You know, it's
0: like, oh my gosh, just think about right. so When you And so then when you get down to what <laughs> caused it in the first place, you're like, really? How did it get this serious? Because it never, it never started off that serious, but I left it alone thinking it would just go away. And now it's this yes. massive thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes, whether
1: it's young people, you know, schools that would, oh, this person looked at me wrong. And it escalated into this whole war. I mean, I've seen young people go to war literally with each other. And when you peel away the layers, you get them in mediation, you peel away the layers. It started because someone looked at someone else you know, the way they didn't like. I just had <laughs> you know? something
0: happen this weekend. And, um, it was funny because, well, not funny for everybody else involved, but just funny from an observation standpoint. I was at a at a store, and um, somebody was in the line, and they decided that they wanted to get out the line. And she said, "Excuse me," and the woman who she was saying "excuse me" to didn't hear her and replied with a "pardon me," mm-hmm. and the person who said "excuse me" took it to mean that she was saying. Mm -hmm. implying that she could have said excuse me instead of pushing forward which as the observer I knew that that wasn't what what happening but this person who said excuse me just blew up and to me because I know better right I I was just like oh she was having a bad day before this exchange happened do you know what I mean and so she just Mm -hmm. blew off the handle and was ready to like fight this woman, not physically fight her, but was ready to, like, get into this heated conversation about the fact that she thought that this woman thought she had no manners. And it was just amazing to see how it all just... Right. Like, you saw the smoke (laughs) starting to build up. It was like, oh, ladies, it's not... (laughs) No. And, um...
1: But, yeah, it's just interesting to see
0: how you know, how you come into a situation can impact things in such a severe way and you're not even conscious of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think that I, for me, there are times where I'm like, you know what, I need to stay home today because I don't want to deal with anybody. And I feel like that was what was going on with that woman is that she, something happened that set her off that day. And no matter who got in her way, Mm -hmm whether it was by accident or on purpose, they were going to get it. (laughs) And, um, yeah, you know, understanding that is so big.
1: It is huge. And it makes a huge difference. And being able to say things, you know, being patient is the other thing. I find that when people really do work on conflict resolution, that they start to work on having to have patience. We have so little patience with one another. It's unbelievable to me how, uh, as you said, it can go from zero to hundred yes. in a matter of seconds, rather than people having the patience to try to check in and see what's actually going on and try to understand one another. Yeah.
0: I think patience is a, almost a lost art form these days.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people just really start to dig in. On people, or they, or they completely avoid and don't bother to check out what is happening, right? And people want their <laughs> minds to be read. I
0: mean, people don't read your minds. That is still no. Not they're a not skill teaching that, that in, in high schools or university yet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was, all right? With all the technology, technological advances, mind reading is still not a skill that we have. So. We have to talk to each other in order to find out what's being meant. By what people are saying, or doing. Yeah, yeah. And instead, not only do we read minds, we make these assumptions about why they're doing what they're doing, and it's always negative. So we're
0: upset <laughs> right? that people can't read our minds, but then we think that we can read their minds to know what their motivations and intentions right. are. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's they
1: just don't respect me, and that's why they're doing. It. <laughs> right. They don't know. You know, chances are they don't know. So you have to tell them and you can tell them in a way that, you know, can then see the other thing. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. It's not about hurting people's right. feelings. Like, how are you going to say it? Like, really? <laughs> what will you, pl- how are you planning to say it? <laughs> because it, there's a way to say it. And Hey, you're not responsible for someone else taking it that way. If you say it in the best way that you possibly can, but if that's how they take it, then that, that may extend and prolong the conversation. But you're capable. I think we don't, don't understand how much more we are capable of. Right. Uh, We're not going to fall apart. We actually can have the difficult conversation and come out on the other side of okay. it. That's right.
0: Yeah. Survive it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so it, so for me, I love the work because I really do help a lot of people take that journey. And a lot of times, like I said, they don't want to take it, but they recognize yeah. the importance of doing it. And so by working with me, I help them to celebrate the, the times where they actually just take it on and they jump right in They're not avoiding it. And they actually use the skills and sometimes they do use them badly, but that's a lesson learned. And sometimes it's right on and, and it goes well, but it's all my experience is that what, however you think it's going to go, when you actually engage, it never goes that place. It never goes that badly, you know, or yeah. hardly ever goes as badly as it did it in your mind. Yeah.
0: We're pretty good at creating those worst case scenarios. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. And I mean, very, I, I said, To one of my clients, I don't understand how we're not all screenwriters because the 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 stories we put together in our heads. Oscar worthy. (laughs) Yes, they are very Oscar worthy. Yes.
0: (laughs) Then, what advice would you give to somebody out there, somebody listening who is struggling with managing conflict in their own life?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say that the first thing that you want to do is to recognize that it starts with you because the, the most common thing that I am met with whenever a conflict happens and someone comes to me about a conflict is that they want me to fix the other person. Right. That is that con- is, I mean, that's just what people come for. If they come for a workshop, even if they're mandated for a workshop, whatever it is, or they come, they just want to talk to me about conflict in their life, whatever it is, they want to talk about yeah, what's wrong with The me other,
0: other person, person is person. the problem. It's not my fault. <laughs> I didn't do <laughs> right. anything, Lynn. I swear. <laughs>
1: I didn't do anything. That's right. And so I want you to recognize that it starts with you, just like it starts with me. Hey, that's the first place. So begin to think about how you even think about conflict and what is it that you often do when you are met with conflict and start to look at if you're an avoider, start to look at why and what is difficult for you about conflict. And then the second thing for me is learn to listen more and deeper. We just spend very little time listening. Most of us listen up to the point at which we wish to interrupt the other person. And that's pretty quickly in the conversation. (laughs) That comes pretty quickly. And what I want to say is listen beyond that. Place where you want to interrupt. Listen to fully understand. Number one, it's great to know what you're having a conflict about. That's number one, like really what you're having a conflict about. And number two, it's great then to be actually, to be able to address what the conflict is about. We spend a lot of time talking about what the conflict is not really about, because we've not listened long enough and understood each other well enough. And so we've jumped in at that place where we want to say we're right and they're wrong. And now we have extended this conversation. Whereas if I just listened through and really checked in with you to find out, is this what I heard? And, and is this what the conflict is about for you? Then at least when I start to talk, I can talk to the points that you're talking about. Like this is what the conflict is about. Uh, so I would say that those two things, recognize that it's you, starts with you. Look at what it is that you even do in conflict and feel about conflict is the beginning place and, and recognize where that works and doesn't work. And then listen more to the other person so that you can understand what the conflict is really about. And so when you start to address it, you are actually addressing those points.
0: I think that's great advice because um, it's not like anybody can survive life without dealing with conflict. (laughs) It's a a part of, yeah, the the experience. So if we can manage conflict in a more productive, positive way, then why not take those opportunities to do that?
1: Right. Exactly. And nothing has ever created major change. But right. Conflict. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing else. Yeah. Major change has been created by conflict and recognizing that conflict in its simplest form is just two opposing ideas that either create some kind of struggle or some kind of impasse. Yeah right that's you know and i mean so at its simplest form that's what it is and we're allowed i mean why wouldn't there be two opposing at least ideas? two yeah at least two <laughs> we're at least yeah. two. we're all different so why wouldn't there be two opposing ideas at some point in your day right and i think
0: that a conflict <laughs> provides a great opportunity for something else even better than what was there before so mm-hmm. yeah
1: Yes. 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 And if we get on board and try to work together to resolve it, then we can do that. And we can have these conversations. Uh, I've sat through many conversations. You know, my youngest is 17 and I've sat through many conversations that were hard to hear and difficult and hurt my heart in some way. And I survived. And not only did I survive, Mm -hmm. but I learned a lot. I learned about what he was thinking and feeling. I learned what were the things that, that I did that didn't particularly sit well. It doesn't mean that um, I'm any less good a mother. It doesn't mean that I have any less authority right. <laughs> by listening. It just doesn't, you know? Uh, and we tend to think that as leaders, as parents, like, oh, if, they, if I allow them to say these things to me, that takes away my power. No, it doesn't. Yeah. You still have power. You still have that card you can pull. But at the same time, you've had an opportunity to really hear what's in their hearts. Because I'll tell you with parents, one of the things that I hear all the time, my child doesn't talk to me. Well, when
0: they did, when they tried,
1: when they do, (laughs) what did you do, right? (laughs) What did you do other than say, I want you to talk to me? Right. Because my mom used to say that all the time. And then she followed that by yelling and screaming. Hey, I don't have to talk to you. I really don't have to. As much as you think I do because you're the parent, I don't have to. When anybody shares anything with me, I consider that a gift.
0: Absolutely.
1: Because we are not entitled to other people's thoughts.
0: Lynn, thank you so much for your insights and wisdom today. I, um, enjoyed our conversation I'm sure the listeners will get a lot out of it and probably come back and listen to it again um and for those of you listening you can check back in the show notes and find out more about Lynn what she does and where to find her on social media and um Lynn again thank you so much and to the listeners have an awesome day and I'll see you next week